listening to Hear the Turtle. Your hosts are Taylor Slife and Keith Snedden. It's Wednesday, November 15th, 2017, and Keith, a smorgasbord of sports is coming just a week away from Thanksgiving. Let's get it popping. Eight teams are going to be in action by the start of tomorrow, Wednesday, when this podcast airs through the weekend. Uh, we've got a ton of fall sports wrapping up their seasons, going into their, their championship campaigns, and then Maryland basketball is back and better than ever, Taylor. Keith, we've got basketball. We've got soccer. We've got field hockey. We've got cross country first qualifier since 2011 to the ncaa championships how about that how about that alexandra lucky but let's start with those two basketball teams and the men's team gets their season underway two victories over the weekend keith you were firmly watching one on friday not up there but in attendance on sunday give us a couple of takeaways from both those games that you see from the terps early what impressed you yeah a couple wins over stony brook and umes 76 61 win over stony brook on friday then i sat 96 43 win over umes on sunday and i i think you know it was something i talked about before the season rebounding toughness on the boards and, and they they accomplished that they took care of that as well but uh it, it was spreading the wealth around there wasn't one guy who was doing it all there wasn't one player that could key on i mean eight different players uh, you know, over the course of those two games, finished in double figures, led by Anthony Cowan Jr. He's averaging 15.5 through two games, and Kevin Herter, 11 and a half as well. But uh, you know, you saw guys like Bruno Fernando step up in that game against Stony Brook. Ten points, eight of them by dunk, Taylor. Uh, if you're looking for an exciting player, I think we found one in Bruno, like you had mentioned last week. And, uh, you know, it, it was just taking care of business in these two early games. But the real test comes against Butler here tomorrow. Anthony Cowan now leading the race to 500, Keith. Yes, you called it. My pick looking good so far. And, and Anthony Cowan did a really nice job on Sunday scoring the basketball, uh, a really nice game against UMES. This is a Terps strive to win the state here but 16 points for Anthony Cowan um, as he continues to come into his own you're right a tough test against Butler comes on Wednesday but as you said you talk about the two freshmen both of them did not look out of place we didn't see a ton of Bruno Fernando's game besides the fact that he can dunk and be really energetic but right now against these teams that's fine we'll see what he does tomorrow or excuse me Wednesday night you know against a good team in Butler, and we'll see how Daryl Morcell responds to that level of competition as well. But I think if you're a Maryland fan, you have to be happy with what you saw from your three super sophomores, Herter, Jackson, and Cowan so far. I thought um, Justin Jackson looked really good Friday, especially early, did a couple of different things, had a double-double, rebounded the basketball better. And Mark Turgeon talked about before the season, last year he thought it was a little bit more of a finesse team. This year he thinks this team is tougher. Justin Jackson, I think, was one of those guys you could say last year, a little bit more finesse player. Hit threes, you know, made things look pretty, but didn't do the down and dirty work. He did that early in the game against Stony Brook, and that game was a little bit sloppy up yeah. there in sort of a weird atmosphere on Long Island um, in front of a, you know, not as many people in there to really get the building going. So uh, very impressed by Justin Jackson in that game. Impressed by Cowan and Herter's been solid and steady. So if you're a Maryland fan, your best players have played well so far. Yeah, that one takeaway from that first First game, maybe on the negative side, was just shooting it from three. It weren't great, but that first game jitters, you know, that'll happen. But you saw him come back against UMES. Deion Wiley hit a couple early threes. Very encouraging. Got got his confidence going. Jared Nickens, a perfect five for five from the floor, four for four from three in that game against UMES. And again, it's an early season opponent, but but it's a confidence builder as we get now to the marquee opponents. Deion Wiley's emergence as some sort of bench scoring option would be a very welcome sight for not only Maryland fans, but I think for that staff, he's a guy that's really talented. It's just never been able to get his career out of first gear, whether it's been injury, behind on the depth chart, 
whatever it may be, just hasn't really been able to kind of break out and, and have a signature game. We've seen it in you know in flashes, but if he can become a guy that can come off the bench and make shots, that totally changes what Maryland can do from a wing perspective because you have a lot of different options. Yeah, you have Mar- 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 Marcel is your guy that can come off the bench and play D and get to the rim. You bring in Wiley and Nickens to hit threes, and you can throw a lot of different looks at people. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say Mark Turgeon say today, said today in his press conference that you know he wanted Dion to be tougher on defense. You know, and hey, if, if you if you don't bring that same toughness every night, you know, you're not going to get 25 minutes. What does he do? Comes against UMES, plays a little tougher, and he plays for 26. So and that was he, just one tidbit from today. And you wonder if a guy like Morcel is is starting to challenge those guards to play tougher on defense, just with how hard he plays. And if a freshman comes in and plays like that, we talk about Bruno inside, but Daryl Morcel is just such a dogged perimeter defender. I think Maryland fans are really going to see that emerge. He's just so long and athletic. Um, that, that that could be a, a welcome thing for the rest of those guards. you got to play against a guy like that in practice. It inspires you to play a little bit more defense. And Maryland does have a tough test against Butler, a program that you know has, has beaten everybody at this point. Butler is sneaking up on no one as one of the better, you know, not even a mid-major program. They're in the Big East. It's a program that's consistent year in and year out. It's going to be a tough test tomorrow at Xfinity Center. You want to talk about a tough test? The women's basketball team had about the toughest test you're going to have at this point in the season, Absolutely. taking on number one South Carolina here at the Xfinity Center. Didn't go their way, but watching them fight down the stretch in the fourth quarter to make a game out of it late was impressive. Well, it looked like it was going to be a tough, tough night at the office as Asia Wilson, who is one of the best players in the country for the defending national champions, just was sort of pounding the Terps inside early. Terps tried to throw the zone on her, just didn't really have anybody to play her man-to-man. And it looked like South Carolina was going to win it by a 20-25 point margin. They were comfortably ahead in the third quarter. And you have to give the Terps credit for this. Clearly, the Gamecock shifted a little bit into third or second gear. But if you don't keep playing, you can't take advantage of a team that sort of takes their foot off the pedal. And Maryland never stopped playing. And that's a credit to, to Brenda Freeze and those players for staying self-motivated and trying to get back in front of a very energetic crowd at Xfinity Center. was very impressed by that crowd last night. Stayed in the whole game, was into it. And and, and Kyla Charles really yeah. emerged in that oh, yeah. second half. And, and you wonder if she played a little bit more like that in the first half, if it would have been a different story. But really, the, the story from that game to me is the development of a team that didn't have a lot of those those players last year in spots where they needed to step up. They stepped up a lot in the second half. And I think if you're a Maryland fan, you can come out of it and say, okay, this team's going to grow. There's going to be some chasing of games this year. The depth isn't necessarily maybe where we want it, but they're going to compete and play hard every night. Yeah, just referencing a tweet I saw from our colleague Rose DePaula, watching a team grow before our very eyes, and I, I think that rings so true. This will be a, a game that Brenda Fries and her staff look back on as the year progressive, as the year progresses, as you know, one of the games that they learned a lot from, that they got some you know big time performances from. Kyla Charles, thirty one points, ten rebounds, twenty seven of those points in the second half, like you referenced. Man, she had that type of type of you know scoring ability the whole game. It could have been a different one, but you know you're walking away with some positives I think that's the the bottom line yeah and I think you can be impressed by Blair Watson had 16 points in the opener against Albany a pretty dominating win from the Terps and then also played well last night can shoot the ball from the outside and as someone that is going to have to handle a little bit of the scoring load for the Terps who it doesn't get any easier as they face UConn on Sunday uh, the best program in the country on the road so that'll be a tough game another learning experience for Maryland but not the only team to have to deal with the Great Danes of Albany over this week as the Maryland men's soccer team continues in action. They earned a bid on Monday, the NCAA tournament, 18th consecutive bid, and they will face off with Albany on Thursday at 7 p.m. at Ludwig Field for the right to play the 10-seed Western Michigan in Kalamazoo Mm. on Sunday. But the Terps looking to get back on track after losing five straight, and the theme from Sasha Sarovsky in his press availability today was 
look, you know, the last few years we've gotten it done in the conference tournament. We've gotten it done in the regular season. We have not gotten it done in the NCAA tournament. We're rested. They have. They will have not played since the Sunday before last. That's a hmm. long, long time to something have not their played. team's not used to doing either. And not used to doing it. It's almost like, as he said, another sort of preseason for them to get the sharpness back, get a couple injured guys back, and hopefully get a win and sort of get some momentum, get over that hump, get a win. And one of those injured players was Chase Gasper. I think you. You think you had a stat that you, you threw so out here. So Chase today. Gasper was injured in the first half against Wisconsin, a, ter- a game the Terps won 5-4 to four on October 13th in Madison. Maryland has not won a game since Chase Gasper got hurt. Before that, they were 10-0-3. And, and, the, and there's two reasons for that. First of all, Chase, very good leader, was named a captain mid-season, which tells you what kind of impact he's made since becoming a, coming in as a transfer from UCLA. The second part of that is it sort of shifted a lot of things in the back line. Johannes Bergman's had to sort of move around. George Campbell's out for a game with a red card suspension. Donovan Pines had to move over and play left center back. And then it was hurt with a concussion. Miles Stray came in. The DeRosa brothers have played a part. So he kind of jumbled that back line. And, you know, they called the that sort of center of the, of the field and, and the spine of your team. But for Maryland, really that back line was sort of their base. It was kind of a base layer to let all their offensive players work, and I think that kind of threw off their chemistry on the field. Sure. And 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 regardless, you, you can't take away from the other teams that played. Terps played quality teams that outplayed Maryland at home. Can't take that away from them. But to get that full back line back, it should help Maryland continue to go. The other big thing for Maryland is that home crowd. And as we've talked about, what have we said? It's the place to be. It's the Friday place night. to be. Ludwig Field, Thursday the place night to be. now. And I think I think this is a big opportunity for Maryland's student section to reassert itself here and show its team that you're not just going to support the team, you know when they're you know when they're good. Obviously, they've struggled a little bit. If you're a member of the crew, you got to be at this game. Got to rally the troops. You have now. to be at this game. I gotta mean, if it. you're a Maryland student and you've loved your experiences with soccer, this is the game you have to be at. Student admission is free. Maryland Athletics is paying for that. You're getting pizza before the game. Every effort is being made for you to come. Come to the game. Last one to catch before the it's end last of the year. One. It might be Maryland's last home game, and if you're being realistic about it, Maryland's now going to play seeded teams pretty much throughout. So this could be the last game at Ludwig Field. It's not normally the case, but this is a situation we find ourselves in. Come to the game. That's what I have to say, Keith. Well, Maryland men's soccer obviously will, will have an exciting NCAA tournament matchup here on Thursday, but we got a Final Four team, Taylor. We do have a Final Four team, and an and and unbelievable effort for them to get to the Final Four. Throw those numbers at me, Keith. An exciting 3-2 victory for Maryland in Durham over number 2 Duke. A couple of late goals made the difference in that one, Taylor. Bodil Ghost scores in the 64th minute. Then Lena Gonzalez, our guest coming up in this podcast, she scores in the 66th uh, just to to completely change a season that looked like it was up in the air kind of in the middle of the year. But after that Michigan game, we heard Missy Milharg talk today at her press conference, just say it, it changed their season. You know, they started practicing harder. The players started to become more invested, uh, just more focused on what needed to happen. And that freshman kind of new core of players really got better quick and came together quickly. And, and look where it's gotten them into the final four. And it's funny that they play Michigan now on Friday. And it sounded like that Michigan lost in double overtime with about a second left really at the buzzer, totally changed their season. Coach Mark talked about that it really put everything into perspective for them. It almost like loosened them up to a certain extent, and she really was confident today, and I think they're relishing this underdog role. I mean, when you're a, a story to program as this, you rarely are the team that is, you know, not left for dead, but, you know, written off in the fashion they were midseason, and even in this region. I mean, I think 
you know, we talked about it last week. We said going into Durham and beating a team like Duke was going to be a really tough ask for them to go in and do it. It frees it up. I think they're the team with the least amount of pressure in this Final Four yep. this weekend with a bunch of young players who haven't really been there before. You come and you play free against a team like Michigan that really defends well but isn't going to overwhelm you, whelm you offensively. And if they can get an early goal, I think they've got a very good chance to play in that national title game. Taylor, I think this is just some some quick numbers on head coach Missy Maharg, if you weren't aware before. 30th head season as the head coach of Maryland. Seven NCAA titles. That's a lot. 23 conference titles and 16 Final Fours. I mean, That's a lot. That's a lot of numbers. (laughs) You want to talk about experience and someone who's been there before, it's Coach Maharg. So she'll have that crew ready to go. And I I think it's just, yeah, it's let it fly. It's the best time of the year. You you have nothing to lose. Go up there and uh, let's see what what can uh, happen. She'll surely have them ready. And with three Olympians on her coaching staff, that's right. Two that played at a high level in college, both in Final Fours. There's no, you know, you have the inexperience in the players, but those coaches are going to know what it's like to go in and play in pressure-packed environments and get teams prepared, and that team will be prepared on Friday. Whether they get done against a Michigan team that's been very good, we'll see. Every team's good once you get to the Final Four. No doubt so about it. So there's no bad losses. We'll see what happens. Let's touch on a couple more teams very quickly here, Taylor. Maryland Volleyball starts a four-game homestand starting on Friday with Iowa, then Saturday against Nebraska. Next Wednesday, November 22nd, they'll take on Ohio State and Northwestern on Friday. This is kind of a, a big stretch for them, a homestand, four games that if they pick up a couple wins here, they could be an NCAA tournament team as well. Absolutely. Pick up a couple of wins. They, they need to win these home games for the RPI against teams that are sort of around a similar area. This is sort of where they have to make their hay, and, and, and you sort of have to prove yourself as a team in this area. So it will be interesting to see what they do this weekend. Two very, very, very big matches. And another NCAA qualifier who we have talked about on this podcast, Alexander Lucky. Finished seventh at the NCAA Mid-Atlantic Cross-Country Regional, one of the best finishes ever for a Maryland runner. She's the first Terp since 2011 to make it to the NCAA uh, championship. And I'll tell you, man, the the cross-country, when you get into those big-time races, it is an event. It is a scene to watch hundreds of runners from across the country go out on on these big-time courses. And, uh, you know, it's an exciting reward for her after uh, putting in so much hard work for Coach Valman and the uh, the cross-country staff. Yeah, Keith, that staff did a really, really good job preparing her all season. We have to touch on one more team. The wrestling team um, gets their home slate underway this last weekend, picks up tool duel wins over Campbell and George Mason. I think, you know, George Mason's a team Maryland should beat every single year. Not much to touch on there. That Campbell match, though, Campbell, a little bit of an underrated team in the country, very, very close match, and... I think you have to talk about the 125 of Brandon Cray. Huge flash pin in that first yeah. match really set the tone. And ultimately, that's the difference in the match, you know, really for the Terps. Yeah, uh, and a nice day for them to get two wins. And they're going to have another outdoor match this weekend, Taylor, at Stanford. Who knew there was so much wrestling outdoors? <laughs> well, Who knew? Maryland's getting after it. Uh, a couple here early. So that'll be a fun trip for them to, to go out and, uh, you know, wrestle hopefully in front of another big crowd absolutely hopefully they can get some done some done against stanford carrie mccoy's former home as a head coach was at stanford before we came to maryland but we'll get to our two interviews this weekend and we talked to Lene gonzalez first from the maryland field hockey team tell you what keith big time rock paper scissors contest at the, at some, the top of that some one. great podcast audio coming up some on that. spectacular content right there never thought i'd announce <laughs> rock paper scissors we talked to her about a lot of things what turned the season around for her um and a bunch of different stuff about that team a very very fun group for maryland field hockey on saturday i had the opportunity to talk to maryland football legend sean merriman um, about a variety of different topics his media career you know coming back what he sees from the program now and what it was like to appear on the challenge so let's get to those two interviews we're back here on Here the Turtle 
with now new Maryland Field Hockey Final Four participant this weekend, Linnea Gonzalez. Linnea, thanks for giving a little bit of your time. Thanks for having me. Okay, so first of all, we heard from your great PR person, Rose DePaul, that before the game the other night, uh, Will Franco, your strength coach, shout out to Will, he's the man, does baseball as well, had you guys do a rock, paper, scissors competition. Yes. We are going to have Keith and you compete in two out of three rock, paper, <laughs> scissors go. right now. Okay. Get it going. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to commentate. Rock, paper, scissors. On shoot. On shoot. And I will referee this contest. So here we go. Oh, rock for Keith beats Lene, who goes with scissors. Keith won away. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, and and scissors to 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 paper there for Linnea. It's one to one. Both rocks. Oh, Keith covers rock with the paper, and it's over. Sorry, Linnea. Linnea okay. goes down. Keith Snedden, I mean, just, I mean, what do you have to say this after that? This is the biggest win I'm going to get all day, so I'm happy. <laughs> there it is. I'm a happy. big win for Keith. Linnea, who ended up winning that contest that you guys played? Um, Sophie Giesman won twice. Mm. Sophie Giesman won oh. twice. Yeah. So we might have to bring Sophie in. Sophie's going to take you down, Keith. Where did you Where did you finish? Um, I finished in a good last place. Last I, place? Yes. No. Yes. Well, there you go. Last place. Well, you know. You probably would have beaten Luckier on the field. Luckier yeah. on the field, exactly. But we'll take it to to, to field hockey now. And um, you guys advanced to the Final Four, obviously, after a season where you've sort of gone up and down a little bit. Um, and I think people had written you off to a certain extent, you know, at least advancing that far. But now you're in the Final Four, first time since 2013. What's this season been like, sort of like as like a journey with you and your teammates? Um, like you said, it's kind of been like up and down throughout the season. But I think we're coming together very well. We... We're a young team, but we are connecting well, and we have like positive attitude towards each other, and we're just becoming resilient with each other, and I think it's really coming out at this time of season. Now, Maryland Field Hockey, long-storied history, national titles, Final Four. For you advancing to your first Final Four, what's it like representing a school that has that history and also you know, your, your favorite school, a school you grew up rooting for. What's it like to now advance to sort of that ultimate goal, the Final Four? Um, it's so exciting. I couldn't believe it when we beat Duke, like we're going to the Final Four and stuff. It's just been a dream, and I can't wait to continue it and get that national championship, especially since Kitty O'Donnell's coaching. Like, she is a legend here, and this is, like, what she's all about. So it's good to do it for her and the team. Now, speaking of Katie O'Donnell, Katie Bam, assistant coach, you know, back in the day, you were a ball girl here at Maryland. You had a stick signed by Katie that you, you know, you played with or you used. I mean, what is it like for you to be coached now or how excited were you when you learned she was coming back as an assistant here at Maryland? Um, I was just so excited because, like you said, she's been my idol throughout my whole life. And uh, I think her being here, everyone just takes what she says so much more personal and she knows what she's talking about. She has like a modern knowledge of hockey and she just brings like such a different, uh, what's the word, like vibe to the team and like teaching everyone wants to listen to her. Is she able to kind of use her, you know, experiences playing international field hockey? Obviously, she was great at the college level, but she's reached the highest level of mm -hmm. field hockey. Does she sort of use those experiences and try to teach you guys, hey, this is what I did here, this is what I did here in these situations? Yeah, she's a very detailed-oriented coach. She doesn't really focus on, like, the big things. It's just, like, a little detailed 
switch we need to make and that just helps with our game so much so just like receiving and taking things on the move like she's a very tactical coach one of the constant themes for this team this year seemed to be you know the newcomers coming in and having immediate impact on this program i mean how impressed have you been with the progression you've seen of some of the younger players on this team yeah they're great especially kyler and Bo and hannah bond and brooke deberdine they're all they're all their own person and they have their own set of skills and they're each different and bring something different to the team and they're all very strong so I'm proud of them. I've seen them getting a little bit nervous as the games keep going on but they shake it off in the first five minutes so that's also like great to see. When you guys were going through that rough patch in the middle of the season, what kind of th things did you, you know, keep on telling each other? You know, you obviously had the talent to get this far. Now that you've made it, it's shown that. What were you guys doing in the middle of the year to sort of get yourself back on track? Um, just focusing on who we are and how we know we can play. At the beginning of the season, we did this thing called the program, and that was something that really tested our strengths and, uh, like, team bonding together so we just keep going back to that and growing our connections off of that uh coach bam told us some some stories about your head coach missy mohark you know when we talked to her a few weeks ago is there a story uh, of your experience with, with coach missy that really epitomizes her or what she is to, to play for um there's this one story when we were in iowa and it was overtime and i it was like it was a really intense game, and I like turned over the ball, and she goes, "Dang it, Linnea! Come on, buddy!" <laughs> like she yelled at me, and then she like encouraged me again, and that like speaks to the kind of coach she is. She's tough on us, but she's also very like supportive and encouraging. So yes, yeah, st still your buddy, even even with the turnover. There. Yeah. <laughs> still buddies on and off the field. Now we also heard you guys have fun. You do a lot of singing in the bus. Mm -hmm. I have two questions with this. First of all, what is your go-to song? Second of all, who is the best person on the team at singing? Who is the most entertaining? Hmm. My go-to song would be probably something by Beyonce. Okay, mm. fair. Like, if I were a boy or something like that. Can't go and wrong. Jam. The best singer would be Julie Duncan, hands down. Mm. Okay. She's a performer. Oh, okay. She's a, she's what like, is that's the entertainment aspect yeah. coming yeah. through. Okay. That's her. Who... Dare I say, who is the worst singer? <laughs> who is the worst? <laughs> Will Franco. Will. Oh, oh, Will. Yeah. Right under the bus you for need Will. Some work. Come on, Will. Come on, Will. <laughs> now, Linnea, you're a Harford County uh, native right here in Maryland. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a Harford County native as well, so I'm sure this part will be very relatable for our, our fans and guests. But I'm loving it already. <laughs> go to spot in Harford County to eat. Where are you going? Um, Seasons Pizza. You're a Seasons yeah, fan, huh? Kind of basic. Bon Tempos, maybe? Good. Throw some, some B Temps, some CR wings. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. <laughs> Again, very relatable stuff. We're, we're well, we about talked here. about wings yes. a, a few weeks ago. Yes, we did. As all of our listeners, I'm sure, remember that logged away in their heads. Lene, this is a very serious show. It's a very serious tell. show. Do you have a favorite kind of wing? Um, Parmesan garlic. Mm. Wow. Okay. It has to be boneless, though. Boneless, okay. not bone in. Very fair, fair enough. Fair enough. We'll roll into a little bit of rapid fire to get you out of here. And we ask okay. this question to everybody. Your bucket list sporting event to attend outside of field hockey. Um, hmm. Outside of field hockey. Probably a 
Ravens game at the Super Bowl. There you go. Ravens Super Bowl. Mark Turgeon last week, the big Chiefs guy, said Chiefs Super Bowl. So two straight Super Bowls. There it is. So we've seen the same yellow headband for years now. Are we going to change it up anytime soon, or are we just, it's the tried and true? We're sticking with it. No, we're sticking with it. That it's is, good luck. Yes, there you go. I sticking like with a lot of y'all, currently wearing a yellow hat. So yeah. the yellow headwear, <laughs> a Linnea Gonzalez favorite. Um, all these you athletes, especially the ones that come over here to feel like in lacrosse punks, you and women's lacrosse, have these scooters. Do you have a scooter? Yes. You have a scooter. So what I'm trying to figure out is who has the coolest scooter or the fastest scooter. I'm just very intrigued by the scooter. As someone who walked around this campus... For years, Keith, you have long strides, so easier for you to get around. But the jealousy factor is very so rare. high because I'm just watching people zoom past me, and I'm just like, ah, uh-huh. oh, it's gonna take me so much longer. So who who's got the cool scooter? Somebody's got to have a free swag scooter. Um, hmm. We all pretty much have like the same ones, like white, red, and um, like black ones. Okay. But I think it's pretty cool because all the freshmen have the same red one I have, so uh-huh. we have like. A little scooter gang going on. Now. Little scooter gang. Yeah. We yeah. saw that women's lacrosse had this sort of. They followed them around for the before the Northwestern game on BTN, mm-hmm. and they sort of had this scene where all the scooters were like yeah, driving up. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> you, who's taking it? Scooter gang, field hockey, or scooter gang women's lacrosse? Definitely field hockey. Gotta be field. Uh, yeah, there you go. Field. Gotta be field hockey. <laughs> all right. Uh, how much Dutch can you speak? Um, lecker. That's about it. No, <laughs> what that's does that mean? Me, so. Nice. Nice. I can't speak any. Yeah. I can barely speak English as people listen to this every week. <laughs> There's a little bit of a Dutch influence on the team, no? There exactly. Are... A little bit of a Dutch influence. Who's got the best accent? Um, hmm. Definitely Sophie. Okay. Kiesman. There you go. She, whenever she talks, everyone laughs because her accent is <laughs> so thick and she's so nice and fun. Threw everybody off during rock, paper, scissors with the accent, obviously, yeah. to get yeah, those wins. And then finally, your favorite place to eat in College Park. Favorite place to eat? I'd say Nando's. The ah. quinoa salad is really good. That's there solid. you go. Like yeah. it. A, a, a little plug for Nando's after we've gotten some different answers. Nobody's going Chipotle in a while, which I like. Yeah. Which I like. So there you go. It's Nando's. But you're going to eat some Nando's. Get some energy for the Final Four this weekend. Yes. Big games for Maryland Field Hockey. We'll be rooting you on on Friday in Louisville. Um, good luck, and thanks for joining us. Thank you thanks for having Hey, Turp fans. This is Rose DePaula from your Maryland PR team, here to tell you basketball season is here. Join the Maryland basketball programs for an exciting home schedule featuring premier matchups against the nation's best. Visit umterps.com or call 1-800-I'm-A-Terp to purchase your season tickets today. We're back here on Here the Turtle, and the former All-Pro, the former Maryland legend, Sean Merriman, back here in College Park. Sean, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. So you're back here, 15th annual Code Drive now. Right. Some of you started, you know, back when you were playing here. Yeah. So what was the inspiration for that, and what's it like for you to be able to give back, you know, in your spot now? You, you know, it was great. Um, when I, I grew up here in PG County, Maryland, and uh, we lost a couple homes due to fires and left us homeless. Uh, my sophomore year, I decided to just start this cold drive, and I had no idea. I just wanted to, you know, help some people. I was playing now, and you know, big big time football, and I had a, a, a little bit of a name recognition. And so, you know what? I wanted to do something to give back um, because I was one of these kids out here who didn't have a coat when I lost my home when I was a kid. First year out the gate, we almost uh, raised almost four thousand coats wow. we collected, um, and now fifteen years later, we're close to uh, twenty six thousand over 15 years and that's that's helping out a lot especially um you know us donating to the uh veterans now uh the homeless vets and uh it's been it's been great and i, I really appreciate just the the people here at the, the, the school and the program and the wrestling team and the basketball team and and so many different programs have come out and supported this over the years you're a local guy obviously from here played here now be able to give back here what does that mean to you as a guy that's you know born and bred in this area to be able to help kids you know like yourself you know it is that's what it's about 
um, you know, playing here and, and growing up here in PG County, Maryland, getting drafted by the San Diego Chargers and still being able to come back here where it all started, um, you know, having uh, you know, name recognition and doing these things and accomplishments uh, somewhere else not, don't mean as much if you can't come back home and, and do this here. So uh, each and every year it's, it's, it's been really um, amazing to me, and, and it, it makes me feel good to be able to come back here and do what we're doing now. Now, in terms of what we're seeing on the field, obviously you're following Maryland on a week-to-week yeah. basis. Someone's on TV analyzing football. Who from this team do you see that you like watching? Maybe on the defensive side of the ball, especially because that's you know well, where you, you excelled. Know, to be honest, the offensive side of the ball, I'm a big fan of DJ. I like. I yeah, like, he's he's doing a lot today. Yeah, he's doing a lot today, but he's a, a big physical wide receiver. Um, I, I see to him definitely playing on the next level. Um, I, I just think that what's going on right now is very unfortunate. You don't want to blame the injuries. You never want to yeah. do that because guys have to step up. That's what you know. Those type of things happen in football, but when they happen in in the way they happen with this team. Uh, it's very unfortunate, but they have to get other guys to step up on the other side of the ball. The defense can't, you know, let guys just run free, and they have to figure out a way to anchor down and 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 really put a stop to things. You're a guy. You're a guy that played with a lot of energy on the field, obviously. And DJ Durkin's a guy that has a lot of passion, right. You know, and energy. What do you have you seen from him in his first couple of years as Maryland's head coach? Yo, know, I, I just seen him change the mentality. You know, Coach Durkin uh, has done an amazing job recruiting as well. Uh, me being here from this area, I went to Frederick Douglass High School in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And you feel the rumblings. You 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 hear just how uh, the connections made with this area. And and, and I tell kids time and time again, yeah, you know, it's a uh, area kid. And if you stay home uh, and you go um, and play in your backyard, you'll have a lot of success. Um, there's a lot of ton of talent here in the metropolitan area. And when, once kids understand it, they need to stay home in order for us to win games, just like some of the other bigger schools and 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 um, in bigger states when they stay home in their backyard. Most of the talent is here in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. You almost answered my next question. I was going to say, a DMV guy that stayed home, and they've sort of started that movement over the past few years. Yeah. What's that like for you to see? And, and do you talk to really, really talk to kids locally and say, hey, look, you can you can get it done here if everyone stays? Yeah, absolutely. I was a guy I uh, committed my junior year, and um, there was no second guessing or, or anywhere else that I wanted to go. And um, I already felt like I was home. My, my high school coaches and, and my family and friends got a chance to see me play in my college career. Um, and there was no better feeling than that because, uh, you know, we, we having success here, but also having the support from the area um, because there's no bigger support. I mean, you have, you know, the, the big media outlets, you have, um, you know, the, the publications and, and you have many outlets here to, to grow. Um, not just really on the field, but off the field as well. Now, back in your own career, what are your, some of your memories that come back to you when you come back to this place? What sort of starts to come to mind? Your favorite games, favorite moments from your playing career? So, so many. Um, I would say the the guys probably that I played with. I think we had eight guys just in our defense alone that played on the next level. Yeah, that was I was doing some research. That was a crazy it was, defense. It was yeah. a crazy defense. It started from Dequel Jackson and, and Dominic Foxworth and Randy Starks, E.J. Henderson. Uh, you can just go across the board. You know, we had tons of guys, but um, you, what made us, I, I think, great was our, we had a mentality to stay together. We were very tight on and off the field. Um, and you had guys who come up from Florida, guys who come up from Georgia, Georgia and Alabama, all over the country. But we felt like we've been brothers and growing up, and that's the kind of mentality and friendship uh, that we had. You got the nickname Lights Out in high school. Yeah. You then had the Lights Out dance. What was the origin of the dance? The dance is is one of your signatures. Well, I'll tell you the funny part. What happened with the dance when I was here and I was playing for Coach Ralph Friesen, and um, 
I got the nickname my, my sophomore year at the uh, Fred Douglas High School. I, I knocked out four kids in one game. Oh, man, man. So more than mo- many yeah, ever. So, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, when I came here, uh, I'll never forget the coaching staff and the older the older guys, the, the vets, uh, juniors and seniors. They would not call me lights out because I came in with so much hype and I was from this area. And I got my first time, my first play against Georgia Tech on the ESPN. Um, and a wide receiver, Watkins, came running across the middle. I came off the bench and I whacked him, put him out, right? And I came over the sideline. I was kind of flicking the switch just on my right forearm. You know, that's why the, the lights out yeah. dance came in. And uh, Ralph Friedson told me, he said, Sean, you would never play here if you do that again. And I kind of tucked my tail, my head, my head down. <laughs> I felt bad. I, okay, coach, all right, I won't. And I got on the sidelines, and they, all the teammates jumped on me. Oh, lights out. <laughs> We're celebrating lights out. And, and that's how the name really just stayed with me over the years. You had a lot of success early and often in your NFL career. You know, had the accolades. What, what are some of your fondest memories from playing professionally for as long as you did? Um, probably the Pro Bowls, right? I mean, you, I had some great teams. I probably played with three or four different Hall of Famers, and Danian Thompson and Antonio Gates, Phillip Rivers probably when he's done, uh, Lorenzo Neal, great fullback. Um, but when you go to the Pro Bowl, you get to sit down and, and meet uh, Peyton Manning's of the world and all these guys you watch growing up. And I'll never forget, we, they put us in a room for the first time, and I've never asked anyone for an autograph. Uh, and the first person I went up and got an autograph from was Peyton Manning. Um, I, I, sacked him a, <laughs> you, you I, I sacked him a few times that year, so I'm, I'm sure that I was worth an autograph. But uh, just being around those guys who will always be remembered as legends of, this, of the game. You got to a lot of different quarterbacks in your career. Who was the toughest to get to? Uh, Tom. Brady, just a footwork, huh? Yeah, you know, it's the the, the lack thereof. <laughs> he got, look, he, he got rid of the ball so fast, and just their style of play and their system that they had there, it was always hard to um, get a momentum. Um, you would look as a pass rusher, you love for guys to hold on to the ball as much as possible. He didn't, um, so I got him a few times over my career. Got to him, but. He was always one of the ones that I look forward to coming and week in and week out. And, and I, could, I was looking on the schedule to wait to play those guys. Now, coaches and staff here always talk to student athletes about setting up for life after sports, whenever that does end. And you've done, obviously, a very good job with that with all your different media appearances. It seems like you really had a – you plotted a path for what you wanted to do. Where did that come from, and when did you sort of start thinking about that in your playing career to say, okay, this is what I want, I want to try to do when I get out of football? Well, you know, uh, I was uh, giving Lights Out T-shirts to my teammates here. Um, <laughs> And so I knew what I wanted to do, but, you know, my, my job was to play football, you know, when I got in the, in, in the pros. That was my job. So I, being a businessman was secondary. Um, and over time, you, you just like I approached on the field, you wanted to get as much knowledge as you can about the injury uh, um, industry, go after it and have a business like mine, because that's when you're going to, you know, kind of move to the next step of your life to transition into what I wanted to do, and that's really to be a businessman and grow a great brand like Lights Out. And then I have one final question. It's it's a it's a personal one because it's one of my favorite shows. You appeared on the Challenge, yeah. Chance versus Pros, <laughs> yeah. How was that show to be on? It, it was it was great. Other than working with that damn Johnny Bananas, um, <laughs> that's know. what I was going to ask. You have a good Johnny Bananas story. Just he, that guy's yeah, a legend. Bana- he's John- a legend he, of the game. He's a legend. Uh, he's been around. <laughs> you know, he has some of the best punchlines ever. I mean, not even just on cam- camera, but when we got off the camera, and you just talked to him, and he had him lined up. You know, and, and you know that okay, this 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 guy's been doing it for a minute. Um, but it was fun. Uh, we came up the obstacle course. The first one that I seen was the hanging ropes, and that was the last one that I wanted to see because y'all, I was the biggest guy there. <laughs> so when I came up and I seen those hanging ropes and the water under, uh, uh, you know, beneath us, I knew I was gonna be the first one down. The water, <laughs> there's no way 
that I was going to carry 260 across, you know, <laughs> you know, little little girls that were 115 pounds. I said, you know what? Let me just take the dive in the water and uh, <laughs> relax everybody's pain. But I had a, I had a great time, and um, hopefully I'll, I'll be back to host it one day. I was about to say they they put you above a lot of water on those shows. And then lastly, seems like a pro wrestling guy. You've made pro wrestling appearances. Is that something you enjoy? That sort of that art, that performance seems like on the field you're always kind of performer. Is that similar kind of thing? Yeah, it is actually. Um, and you know I've got a chance to work with the WWE and the WWE Network a lot. Um, yeah, I went down and trained at the, uh, the their State of the Arts Center down in Orlando. Yeah, and um, I went through it and Billy Gunn. Uh, he put me through it. Uh, uh, Dusty Rose was one of my in-ring coaches. Um, and just being around that, that arena is something that always sparked me because I love the side of entertainment. Um, and I love to entertain people and, and get, in, get out in front of crowds, and that's what I did on Sundays. John Merriman, entertaining people. The lights on, Coach. I the lights out, Brand. Got a lot of stuff going on. Really appreciate you coming back to College Thank Park you. as Thank always. You. Appreciate and it. enjoy watching everything you're doing in your career. Thank you. Taylor, you talked to Sean Merriman about his appearance on a reality show, The Challenge. Weren't you on like a pseudo reality show kind of thing? I was on more of a game show. Okay. I was on a reboot, a college reboot of Stump the Schwab, oh, I which remember is a that game show, show yeah. that was on where Howie Schwab would go and people would come on and, and try to get to the final round yeah. where they would stump him. They would play against him and stump him. I was on a college version on the short-lived ESPNU late-night show, mm. Unite, which actually, funny story, so I went through the two rounds. The first round was against, this is where we're still in the ACC when I was in college. Yeah. So it was against ACC opponents, and then I went against some guy from Temple and a guy from Texas. The guy from Temple lost internet connection for two hours. We were on Skype, so we had to sit and stare oh. at the camera on our computers and put our hands on the table so it wouldn't look like we're cheating because we were in the middle of a round. So that <laughs> happened. So I'm just Wait, sitting there. Why would he not just get eliminated? You I have on. no idea. They should Because they had to show the show. Like It would have made no sense. I think I know why the show got canceled. Yeah, I'll get there. So I'll get there. So <laughs> the um, my roommates are like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm still on this show, but I can't move. So I won that. They took they flew the three finals. The guy from Northern Illinois, who actually I think works the Washington Post now, and or no, not that guy, they, the Utah guy. He won, and okay. the guy from Northern Illinois. And we were on the finals, and so we go through the whole thing. They tour us through ESPN. We tape the show. Um, we got to go through the cafeteria and all this stuff. It was really cool. Day after at the airport, canceled the show. Oh, they canceled the late night show. What? So and they fired Howie Schwab. Wow. They laid off Howie Schwab and canceled that show the day. Like we were sitting at the airport, the news came Dang, out. Dang, dude, so you're like the Grim Reaper over there, huh? Yeah, something like that, maybe. Wow. It was absolutely. It's probably still a fun experience, though. I mean, it was it sounds, a very, very it fun like experience. A good time, Any yeah. TV uh, uh, reps for you, Keith? Um, I do not think so. No, I don't have a savant-like knowledge of sports like you, Taylor. As, uh, as I'm yeah. sure. Oh, list- I didn't win. It's only taken 13 li- episodes, and our listeners have probably picked up on me not knowing stuff but Keith, hey you know i try you know many a thing you know many a thing <laughs> but we'll get to the the weekend that's coming up and we we talked a lot of, of things about it and i think you know maryland fans definitely need to check out this this game against butler you know as we're taping on a tuesday this is tonight when you're listening to it if you listen to us on wednesday and, and a huge one for maryland and and butler you know a program that you remember those gordon hayward teams those shelvin mack teams you know that is would be a nice notch on maryland's belt this early in the season what do you think of the keys for maryland tomorrow um, to try to beat the Bulldogs. You know, I, I want to see how they spread the floor and stack up to a, a kind of one of those high-tier opponents. Both teams re- receiving votes, and you, you have to be able to shoot and you know, break whatever kind of defenses they throw at you, if they zone you, you know, if they kind of gov- cover you man-to-man you know, up close and personal. But, um, you know, the rebounding, it's got to happen against a team like this. When you're going up against other big players and teams with a solid rotation, you know, you have to do it consistently. So if they can win that rebounding battle, if they can shoot it well from three, um, I think this is a, a game where 
hey, it's a blackout. You got the home team behind you. I, I think this is a game they can come out ahead. Yeah, I think if you're looking to Butler, the guy to look for is is, is Kellen Martin, two-time All-Big East, picked preseason to be a first-team All-Big East selection, a 6-7 forward. A Naismith, all-Naismith. Naismith guy, this. and I think Justin Jackson is someone who's going to have to defend him early and often, try to use that length, be physical with him, try to shut him down because if he gets going, that'll be be good for the Bulldogs. But we'll, we'll see if the Terps um, can get something going tomorrow. I think you know you have to stop him on the defensive end and Maryland just in a big game like that you need your best players to show up Anthony Cowan's gonna have to be really calm and composed it'll be interesting to see how Maryland's those three freshmen now sophomores which I talked about earlier progress into a game like this this is a game where they 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 should play well you have to play well your stars have to play well so we'll see what happens tomorrow night and we forgot to mention Taylor Maryland football at Michigan State at four o'clock on Saturday on Fox We'll see who starts a quarterback in that one. Max Bordenschlager potentially going to be back. Ryan Brand, who acquitted himself well against Michigan, a really nice job by him in a situation that I'm sure he never thought he would be in, um, did a very, very nice job. And Michigan State's a team that you, I think you can stay with if you're Maryland, you know, not going to overwhelm you offensively. So if the Terps can start to play well early, we'll see what happens. Um, but it obviously would be a tough one against Michigan State. One of those marquee program-building wins. Mar- Mar- uh Coach DJ Durkin had a year ago, um, so you know this will be another one, another big test for him. But I think the big thing for for Maryland fans is Keith. When we record this podcast, we want a, we want a trophy in the trophy case. What a national title! <sighs> Pay attention That'd to that nice. field hockey team on Friday if they make to the national championship game. Obviously, check that out. But but that's what we want. We, we, we that would be awesome. And and when we saw with Missy Mark today, she's got that little twinkle in her eye that there's some confidence there. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. It's going to be a big weekend. So let's get going. Absolutely. And that'll end our show. Let's get to that big weekend when you're listening to this. Turn this thing off and go watch Maryland sports. And make sure to follow us on social media, at Hear the Turtle on Twitter, at Hear the Turtle on Instagram, Taylor Smythe 10 for me, Sneds 311 for Keith. Send stuff to the Venmo, and we'll Always see you open. next week. Always open, baby. Go Terps.